Horizon Church. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day in Texas. It's really, really warm, but we thank God that we're alive and that we're well, and we have this opportunity to praise and serve the Lord. And at least there is AC, so we can keep ourselves cool. Um, this morning is going to be a little bit different. We'll have a speaker this morning, Mark Feast. They're having a First Love Conference over the, this weekend. And um, so we're speaking on the love of the Father towards us. So Lord, this morning we want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you that you are merciful and kind. That your love towards us is, is good that you lavish your love on us, that you look, Father God, and you saw our need, you saw our depravity, Lord, and so you decided to send your son. Lord, this was in your plan from before creation. So, Lord, you so love the world that you send your only begotten son for us. Father God, we are grateful for your goodness. We are indeed grateful for your mercy. And we're excited to give you praise. We're excited to bless your name. So this morning we welcome you. And we welcome you, Father God, Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, our Savior, we welcome you. This morning, amen. This morning's reading is taken from 1 John 3. And it's, it's, it's just going to be two verses maybe and it says this is the NIV version see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that what we are that is what we are the reason the world does not know us it is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Brothers and sisters, we have this opportunity to praise the Lord, to bless his name. So this morning on July 12, 2020, let's just magnify his name because he alone is worthy to be praised. Let us lift up praise unto him. This morning I want to thank our, our pastor, and friend Mark Fee as he shares the word and we want to just worship you with songs in Jesus' name. Before I spoke a word you were singing over me 
i 
folks bringing it out, but my Pentecostal origins are definitely kicking in tonight. Must be that Holy Spirit wind that's blowing through. <laughs> Just another reminder to people, while you're getting your page, if you want to be able to see Mark's going to be speaking for about an hour. So if you click on speaker view up to the top right, or if you pin his picture, that might make it easier to see his face and his expressions when he's teaching, which I always find helpful. Can we unmute to say an amen now and then? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, his cheerleader needs to chime. <laughs> amen. 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 Mark, amen. Now and then. Oh, so good. So good. So, Lord, again, I just pray with all my heart that you would just open our ears. Empower us to hear you, Lord, that it's not just my voice. This is you. This is so much of your own, your own words that you left with the disciples and left them for us, too. And we just want to hear you tonight, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Just empower me and empower all of us. Thanks, Lord. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. Session one of First Loved, Loving the Jesus Way. If I do my job well, if you're wondering what does loving the Jesus way mean, you should have a very clear, concise understanding of what that means. Anyway, number one there in your notes, it says the title First Loved comes from 1 John 4.19, where John wrote, we love because he, God, first loved us. First loved us. Just stay in that word for a minute, loved Ooh la la. So good, right? There's no greater feeling for a human being, no greater experience than to be loved by someone. In fact, if you would, I want you just to pause for a moment where hopefully you've been loved by someone recently, maybe even today, I hope. But if not, at least at some time, and what I want you to do right now is to just take a moment and remember one of those times, if it was something that happened today or recently, and I want you to pause, and I want you to do the memory. So what I mean by that is I want you to go there in your mind. Who was the person you were with? Where was it? What happened? What's, what's the environment like? What does it sound like? What does it look like? And notice them again, their facial expressions, all of it. Go there right now and just do the memory. Do the experience again in your mind as vividly as you can. Go ahead. Mmm, so good. <laughs> so good. So good, Lord. Thank you. Well, hopefully, while you were doing, 
the memory again, reliving the experience, you felt that same joy and pleasure again. You know, truthfully, this is one of, this is one of the things you're going to be doing throughout the weekend is understanding that Part of my dissertation, Ava said something about me being Dr. Fee. Well, I did. I got a Doctor of Ministry degree in discipleship. But part of my dissertation was about neuroscience and the profound reality that if you will engage a memory as vividly and concretely as possible, your brain, the neurons in your brain, will actually believe they are having that experience. Even though it happened in the past, the brain won't know the difference. It's, the, it's what's even kind of behind post-traumatic stress disorder. Why people suffer from that is because they relive, they remember a traumatic experience so vividly that they experience it as though it's just happening again. Well, a huge part of what we're going to do this weekend and the practices and exercises are using that truth to our advantage, where we're going to take time to engage in memory, engage in experiences in such a way that we are really going to be loved by them and especially loved by God through them. So this was just a little moment to kind of fire you up that way. Well, now comes the, uh, the key question, though, was how? How did they express their love for you? Well, I am sure that it was either in words or in actions because it's the only way that humans can reveal their thoughts and feelings of love to another person. Years ago when Robin and I were first married, we had just a couple of kids. We were so poor. And I mean, we were poor. Our, I don't know about Jamaican or other standards, but our first year of marriage, our total gross income was $9,000. 38 years ago. I mean, we just had nothing. But anyway, I'd have all these grandiose ideas about what I wanted to do to love Robin. And then I talked myself out of them because we had no time or money and couldn't pay a babysitter. Well, one day I'm talking to her on the phone and I tell her about one of these great ideas. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, honey, that's so great to hear. And I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, all I ever experienced from you is silence. She says, I never knew you even thought about me, much less were thinking about plans for me. And I was just so stunned and saddened to realize that I was doing all of that in my head. And all Robin experienced was silence. Human beings cannot convey their thoughts of love and their feelings of love if they do not use words and actions. It's just the way it is. Well, number three there in your, in your outline, you know, John wrote, he said, you know, we were first loved by God. And earlier in that same chapter, he tells us about the way God loved us through an extraordinary act of love. 3a, we read, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. There's that great word again. And he sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I'm sure most of us are believers. We know what that means is that Jesus suffered the just penalty in our place for the wrongs we had done to God and others. And aren't we grateful <laughs> and so, so thankful for what 
God did to show his love for us and what Jesus did. Let us see, we also read descriptions about how much he loves us. Psalm 103, 11, David has this description and allow your mind to see it where he says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. I mean, just imagine when you've stood outside and looked up at the stars or on a beautiful all blue sky, no cloudy day. And you look up and, and David's saying, God's love, as high as those heavens are above the earth. That's how great God's love is for us. Well, letter D, it's wonderful to read about how much he loves us and how he showed it. But have you ever, ever longed to experience God love you with words and actions just like you experienced through people? Maybe just like you experienced from the person you were just thinking about. Well, letter E, the 12 disciples of Jesus actually experienced God loved them up close and personal with words and actions through Jesus. It's why it's the subtitle of this material, First Loved, experiencing God love you up close and personal as he loved the disciples through Jesus. But see, the disciples didn't understand that at first. And quite frankly, neither did I for my first 18 plus years of being a Christian. I am 49 years old, a Christian now. I'm 62 years old. Oh, in fact, I meant to show you guys something. Um, I want you guys to meet my family real quick. There's the Mark Feet family. I'm back here, the beardless wonder. Right here is my oldest son, Joshua, who's 34, and his wife, Layla, who's 34. My next is Julia and her husband, Tom. Then she's 32. Sharice is 30, and her husband, Justin, is 33. My fourth is Nathan and his wife, Jackie. They just turned 30. My youngest is Nathan, and there's my baby, my beloved, Miss Rob. So anyway, welcome... Hope you enjoyed seeing the Fee family for a moment. All right, here we go. So back to this. As I said, I am 62. I'm 49 years old, a Christian. But my first 18 years of being a Christian, maybe a few beyond that, my focus when I read the Gospels was on Jesus, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke in particular, you know, those three Gospels, the only references to love in those Gospels are love God, love your neighbor, and love your enemy. And there's not a single anything else about love anywhere in those Gospels because that's not what their focus was. But consequently, I was thinking about and reading the Gospels about Jesus and who he was and what he was teaching. And so my assumption is, is that's what the disciples were doing. They're following along because disciples are ordinarily thought of as students who follow a rabbi and they're learning his teaching. And of course, in Matthew 28, 20, in what we call the Great Commission, they are told to teach um, the people to obey his commands. So you get this idea from Matthew's gospel that the main thing is about teaching. But there was nothing in those Gospels about loving one another. And honestly, in John's Gospel, the first 12 chapters, not as much either. But after the Lord began 
teaching me about coming to be loved from 1 John 4.19. That's how it all started 31 years ago. He used that verse to change my whole paradigm about my walk with God, where he said, Mark, I was so aware that I didn't love well, and I wanted him to change me, and he eventually led me to 1 John 4. And as I was reading, I came across 1 John 4.19. Only that day I heard it, not audibly, but I mean I heard it in my soul, where the Lord says, Mark, you've got it all wrong. You're supposed to come to me first, who is love, and let me love you. And then you'll love because. Well, that started me on this journey. And then one day, suddenly it's like everything came alive in John's gospel for me. And it began here where number four in your outline, 4A, where John says this transition, writes this transition statement where he says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Essentially what John just said is that chapters 1 to 12, the three ministry years, he just summarized as being the time in which Jesus loved, loved his own. And then chapters 13 to 21, he loved them to the end. Which you know, this is that final meal. He spends this long meal that we're going to look at a little bit, and then he prays for them in chapter 17. Then he, he is crucified. He's raised. He sees them, on the, some of them on the road to Emmaus. He goes and, and, and encourages Thomas. And then the best one, right, is that he shows up and loves Peter, who's probably still so neck deep in shame. Jesus meets him on the beach and restores him. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And don't miss that little phrase, he loved his own. In John chapter 10, remember when it's talking about Jesus as the shepherd, it says there's a contrast between the shepherd who owns the sheep and the hired hand who doesn't, so he doesn't care. Jesus, John's saying that the 12, they were his they were his buds, his family, his tight group, the ones he loved and presumably loved him back. Well, imagine three years of being loved by Jesus. Well, let her be there. I actually sat one day and just started reflecting and thinking, okay, three years, 1,095 days, maybe at 10 hours a day. Um, that comes out to 10,950 hours. Seriously? You mean... 11,000 hours, and that's probably even on the small side. Imagine all the ways and all the times they experienced Jesus loved them and observed him loving others. Letter C, consider this at the end of John's gospel. Seriously, guys, this has got to be one of the most outrageous statements John writes, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Seriously? The world is not a big enough library for all the things that Jesus said and did. Do you realize how microscopic the information is in our Gospels? They were just trying to get something out to tell people about who Jesus was and what he did for them. 
But John tells us that he loved his own and he loved them to the end. So letter D, we read, we understand that he loved them in many ways, but he also loved them in a specific way, which is why the title, Loving the Jesus Way. It wasn't just ways, but it was a way. And the two ways, Roman numeral one and Roman numeral two, are these. He loved the disciples. And the point of this is to say that he wasn't just loving as the man Jesus, as just a human being, as just a rabbi and a teacher. What we come to discover is that behind the heart, the motivation, the power of all those ways that he demonstrated love was first by the Spirit. Number one, there we're told um, at the beginning of John's gospel by John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I've seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. And what's significant about John's statement is that it fulfills Isaiah 42.1, where Isaiah, God speaks to Isaiah and says, Behold, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Right there, right then, John is saying, he's that chosen one, because I saw the spirit come down and stay on him. Luke's gospel, number two, right when he comes after baptism, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And after those 40 days, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Friends, do not miss this. Do not miss this. It was the Spirit coming on him, filling him, by whom then he was led and empowered that Jesus loved the way that he loved it wasn't just on his own as a solitary human man. Number three, I just love this other description. In Acts 10.38, Peter is sharing the gospel um, to, the, to this Gentile group. And at one point he says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth Jesus into history. He was born in Nazareth. He was raised in Nazareth. He's a man born of Mary and Joseph. He's saying God anointed that guy. God anointed that guy with the Holy Spirit and power. And that's how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Isn't that cool? Woohoo! That's really good news for us because it's it's a, it's a misunderstanding so much in the church that people think Jesus did what he did because he was God. The mystery of how he was fully God and fully man will never be totally understood. But don't miss these scriptures that are clearly telling us that Jesus did what he did and he loved the way that he loved because of the power of the Holy Spirit was with him. Amen. And the second thing is that he loved them as the Father loved him. There's that loved word again. Mm -hmm. He loved as the Father loved him. 
In John 15, 9, it says, as the Father, he says to the disciples, you guys, listen to me. Here's, here's the way that I did this in the power of the Spirit, but I did it as the Father has loved me. That's how I loved you. And somehow I realized that I, I, I somehow cut out um, um, a list of verses that are in parentheses, and, and I'll send them out to y'all later. But because there's this amazing um, um, set of verses in John that explicitly talk about Jesus' awareness of the love of the Father. First, in, in, in 335, John just writes that, the, that, um, that Jesus um, was the one that the, the Father loved, and he gave the Spirit without limit and put all things um, in his hands. But then, with 520, Jesus says, the Father loves the Son, loves the Son and shows him all he does. In John 1017, Jesus says, the reason... My father loves me is because I lay down my life. And then this one in 15, um, um, or 5, 15, 9. But then there are three more in John 17, 17, 23, 24, and 26. I want to do 24 and 26 first and finish with 23. In 17, 23, he says, Father, he says, I want those guys to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory, the glory you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. 26, he says, Father, I've made you known and will continue to make you known so that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. And then the last one, 1723. Listen, friends, listen, listen, listen. Jesus says this, and Father, I'm praying that they would be one even as I, we are one so that the world would know and that the disciples would know that you love them even as you love me. Don't miss this. <laughs> The Jesus way is in the power of the Spirit, but it's loving as we are loved, as the disciples were loved. You know, you know, for the longest time, you know, I, I read the scriptures where Jesus got up early in the morning and went off to pray, and I thought he prayed like I did. Oh, God, fix this, help that, bless this, change this, you know. I think Jesus out there in those lone times in the morning, his first and foremost um, activity was to be loved by dad, to be loved by his father. Don't know exactly how that all happened, but Jesus sure certainly knows that he was loved. And then as he was loved and in the power of the spirit, love was expressed in all kinds of ways, healing, teaching, deliverance, compassion, kindness, forgiveness. All of those are simply expressions of love according to the person that was in front of Jesus at the time. Do you realize all those gifts, all those power gifts, they're expressions of God's love. Oh, Jesus, so good. Well, sorry I'm shouting at you. It's because somehow I think you're so far away. <laughs> Besides all that, I'm really passionate about this, as you might we, have noticed. We love the passion, Mark. It's awesome. Every now and then my kids will go, Dad, you were yelling again. And I go, no, that was passion. They go, no, Dad, that was yelling. So I'm sorry for some of you. I'll try to bring it down just a little bit. 
but I'm so stinking excited to share this with you, especially Ava, just for your sake. I, I'm just all Twitter painted because you've been longing for this for five years, you know? So anyway, it's so fun to see. We like passion. We, we like passion, Mark. We're oh, good. <laughs> Yay, God. So here he is. He's in the room that night. He tells them that he's loved them as the Father has loved him. They should have known that it was because of the power of the Spirit. John begins his gospel telling us that. And then comes this critical moment when after the meal, Jesus says, a new command I give you, 5a. A new command I give to you, that you love one another, even as I, Jesus, have loved you that you love one another. Listen, you guys, we've been together for 12 years. You've heard a lot of things, but I'm telling you, this is my command, my new command. Listen to me carefully. Love one another, even as I, Jesus, have loved you. Love one another. Do you realize at that moment, if they just sat there, they had three years, 11,000 hours of experience to, to think back on. Oh, wow, Lord. Your command is that we would love each other, and I also believe totally to love others as you have loved us. Well, Jesus follows that letter B, by saying, by this, all men or really all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. But I think that by this, I tried to make a point of this in my dissertation, is that the by this is looking backwards and not forwards. I believe that when he says by this, he is saying, it's by this, as you love one another, as I have loved you, that's what's going to identify you as belonging to me, that you have my kind, the love you've experienced from me, my kind of love for one another and others. Because lots of people love however they think love looks like. But Jesus's people, Jesus's disciples, God's people, they should be characterized by God's love, by Jesus's love, loving as they have been loved. Well, let her see the thing I want them to draw. So here they've got three years, right, going on in the back of their mind, like, oh my gosh, we're just supposed to go out and love as you have loved us. But in, John, in Luke's gospel, in the very first section of teaching that he does, which, which is really fascinating in Luke's gospel, it takes all the way to chapter 6 before he teaches. He begins with the Beatitudes, but the very first um, command, as it were, that he gives is love your enemy. And he goes in this long um, um, explanation of what that means. But then he says this. He says the student, and I really think the better word is apprentice, is not above the teacher. But everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. See, this is discipleship. I don't know what you've ever heard about discipleship, but this is the definition by Jesus of discipleship. 
Discipleship is the relationship between an apprentice and a teacher or a master, and the master is training the apprentice, and in this case, to be like the teacher. That's what those three years were about. So the critical question is, in what way or ways did he want them to be like him? So people would know that they were his disciples. Well, I hope I've made it clear to you just by what you read just above. It's to love one another as he had loved them. That's what he was training them to do. Training them to love as loved. Oh, but you guys, you know, we call this a taste and see weekend. Here's the coolest thing. Now, this isn't in your notes. Um, I just thought of this today when I was praying, and I'll find a way to get it in your notes or send it to you. But here's the thing about training. There are four, I think there's four components to training. There's instruction. The teacher teaches you, instructor shows you, teaches you something. Then they show you something and you observe. So instruction, observation, coaching. You try to do it and then you get input and correction and you'll do that process many times. And then the fourth most critical one is you got to practice. You got to practice again and again and again and again and again and again and again before it becomes second nature. But here's the coolest thing about being trained by Jesus to love is loved. Is that as he was training them to love as he loved, they were getting loved. And so here's what I was thinking about. First, I thought about an illustration of like being trained to ride a bike or play an instrument or do a sport, right? Well, one of the days that I was recording this thing, a thunderstorm came and I had to shut down. And while I was waiting for the rain to stop, the Lord put this into my mind and said, Mark, you got the wrong illustration, son. The best illustration is about somebody being trained to be a masseuse or a chef. Right? The best part about being a masseuse and being trained is that they instruct you and they show you and you work on somebody else. But then the best part is the guy says, get on your face, dude. It's your turn. My kids love watching the cooking shows. I hate them because I'm so envious of the judges. They, we watch and see all the ingredients, all they do, and then the judges go, oh, ooh, oh, so good, smells so good, and you and I don't get the taste. But this is what being trained to love as Jesus loves, is that you get the taste. You get a massage, baby. Hallelujah. It keeps you in the game. It keeps you wanting to go back and do more practice. Because you get loved. You get to taste. You get to get massaged. Somebody smile. Somebody click an amen for me. Amen. 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 Monica. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I am loved as I am being loving. Oh. Now, one more thing there. I think it's letter D. Right before Jesus gave this command, though, he washed their feet, right? We all know the story. But I don't know how many times you actually thought about it as being a profound act of love and training. What I mean by that is that if, G if, if this happened in the 21st century, especially with North American Westerners, 
You know what we would have done? We would have washed one guy's feet and then told the other to go, the other 11 to go and do likewise. Because that would have been um, efficient. But you know what Jesus did? He got in front of all 12. He held the feet, probably tickled John's a little bit, right? They were laughing and giggling, and Jesus looking up into John's face and going, I love you, buddy. So much, so, so much. And then he moves over to Peter and says, Pete, I love you, dude, you crazy guy. Then he even gets over to Judas and says, Judas, I really love you. Thank you for taking care of the money. Thank you for serving us. And then we find out later in the chapter that Jesus knew Judas and Peter was going to betray and deny him. And yet the king still washed their feet. Loved them equally the same, unconditionally. But what was so profound was that all 12 had that masseuse experience with Jesus and the other 11 had to watch. That's training. You realize how long that must have taken? All the things Jesus probably said, all the giggling and laughing that went on, maybe serious moments. The bottom line is all it makes me wonder, when the world's not a big enough library, how many other times did Jesus do that for each guy in one way or another, a hug, comfort, whatever it was. And everybody got a turn and everybody else watched and got trained. So cool. So cool. But now, friends, here comes the big the big moment of the night where, remember, I, we transitioned where I said that the disciples got loved by God through Jesus, but they didn't know it. Here's the moment. I know you're familiar with the text, but try to hear it again as though it's the first time. Imagine. Use your mind again. Use your imagination. You don't even need to read along. Just listen. Imagine you're sitting there with the 12 disciples, three years, feet washed. You've just finished eating. And now he says a new command. And then one of them says, Jesus, where are you going? And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then Philip says, just show us the Father, Jesus. And now listen. Jesus says, anyone who has seen me, Anyone who has seen me, which really has to mean experience me. It's not staring at Jesus' outward appearance. It means see him, observe him, what he did, what he said. Whoever has seen me or experienced me has seen and experienced the Father. Don't you believe that I, I am in the Father, and listen, the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is, what? It's the Father living in me who is doing his work. So believe me, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Oh my gosh, friends, I mean, seriously, we just, we, we're too familiar with it to recognize the mind-bending moment that 
They'd been loved by this rabbi who they started calling Lord and teacher for three years. And on that night, they find out that it wasn't just his love. It was the love that he had experienced from the father that he was loving them with. He was loving them by the power of the spirit. And now, now he tells them, oh, and by the way, it was actually Yahweh, God the Father, who was also loving you through me. Oh my gosh. Such that letter B, I wonder at what point they suddenly had a moment where they realized that once Jesus was gone, they probably needed to even hear this, the new command this way. Love one another as I, your God and Father, have loved you through Jesus by the Spirit. Let us see then Jesus loved. Ooh la la, don't miss that word he loved. Which was amazing and it was training. He loved the disciples many times in many ways over three years. And when he loved them, he loved them by the Spirit as the Father had loved him but it was also the Father himself loving them through him. Before we move on to application, the last thing question is, so what's new, right? He called it a new command. In John 15, 12, he says it again, but he says, my command, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. But he introduces it as a new command. Well, 7a there in the Greek, it says that, New is defined as unknown, strange, or remarkable. So what made the command new in that sense? Well, ordinarily on a weekend when we're all together, we're like, Ava's your host. I would have asked, Ava, is there any couples, are any couples attending? And is the, would the guy be okay with me hugging him? And so let's pretend that Joe and Jill are at our event. And she yeah, says, yeah. Mark. There's open, I mean. Yeah, but I can't do that. Mm. So we're going to use Joe and Jill, but I would have loved to use them. <laughs> but here's the point. So what I do is I invite Joe and Jill to come up and let's say Joe's standing here to my left. I don't know how it looks to you guys, but here's Joe beside me and Jill beside him. And I look at Joe and mind you again, I have avoided Joe the entire night so far. So Joe comes and stands up beside me and I look at Joe and I say, Joe, would you please love Jill as I, Mark Fee, have loved you? And Joe goes. And he looks all confused and uncomfortable and I go, perfect. Then I say, can we try that again? I said, would you mind if I hug you? So then I give this guy a long and strong hug, you know, not one of those little flipper things, you know, that people do sometimes. I mean, I get a hold of the dude and try to squeeze the stuffings out of him. And he's almost trying to like, you know, like wants me to let go. I won't let him go. And then finally I say, I love you, brother. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so full of excitement for what God's going to do tonight. Then I step back and I say, Joe, would you please now love Jill? as I, Mark Fee, have loved you. Guess what he does? He immediately turns to Jill, gives her a gigantic, long and strong hug. Everybody applauds. And then I say, what did I say? And he goes, oh, yeah, I love you, honey. I'm so glad you're here. And <laughs> every now and then the guy will kiss his wife and I go, hey, I didn't do that. 
You can't do that. But friends, don't miss, even though you can't see it, I hope you can imagine it, but don't miss the point. What makes the new command remarkable is that a person must be loved by Jesus, just as Joe had to experience me love him first, or he had nothing to do, nothing to share with Jill. What makes the new command remarkable, unknown, and strange is that it's impossible to obey it unless you experience Jesus love you, God love you first in order to love as loved. You know, the comparison's not made between love your neighbor as yourself and love one another as I have loved you. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I've hung out in this, so I have. But I realized one day that love your neighbor as yourself, people who don't even know God or Jesus can put that command and obey that command. Right? Love others in the way you want to be loved. But the new command? You have to experience Jesus love you in order to love as he has loved you. Now, maybe you're already going ahead in your brain, but the question should be going on in your mind, how does that happen? What about all the rest of us after Jesus ascended? How can we obey the command then if Jesus isn't here? How can we be loved 11,000 times? So that we turn around in second nature, love as he has loved us in the power of the Spirit. Well, I believe Jesus, anticipating that reality, that future, that question, on that same night, he talked to them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Remember in John 14, he says, I will ask the Father, this is... um, 8a Roman numeral 1. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, another helper to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth, and he will be in you. Now again, we've read that so many times, but do you understand now how crucial this is? Because then he continued to um, a few verses later, a few sentences later where he says, anyone Remember, he's talking to the 12, but now he says, anyone, that's talking about you and me, anyone who loves me, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we, Father and Son, will come to them and make our home with them. Do you realize that that's only possible by the Spirit? In fact, in Romans 8, 9 and 10, Paul says this as clearly, as clearly as Jesus just did here. Where in Romans 8, 9, Jesus says, we, um, we, however, do not live in the realm of the flesh. But he says, you and I live in the realm of the Spirit if the Spirit of God is in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if... Christ is in you. Friends, again, if you've been Christians for any length of time, I know you know this. 
the Spirit's presence, the mystery of the triune God dwelling in us, having made their home in us. Do you realize now that, again, it just feels like everybody talks about discipleship with Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and sometimes I just, this is just my own thing with God. I wish every time we get a new Christian, the very first thing you'd ever have them read is Luke and Acts together. I wish that was the beginning of the New Testament. Luke is the story of Jesus, and it's filled with the Holy Spirit. And Acts is the story of the Spirit and the ongoing mission of, of Jesus through the church. And when you read Acts, all the rest of Paul's letters fit into that story. <laughs> well, it's in Luke-Acts, at the end of Luke's gospel, Roman numeral three, he says, wait for the gift my father promised, the Holy Spirit, which you have heard me speak about, which he says at the beginning of Acts as well. Earlier in John's gospel, after Jesus talked about, remember that he said on that great day of the feast, anyone who's thirsty come, because then rivers of living water are going to flow from within them. And John says, by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Friends, it's just so sad to me how many people share the gospel without telling people you just you don't only get forgiveness of sins, but you get the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! The very same Holy Spirit that Jesus got at his baptism, you and I get when we become believers. Filled with, led by, empowered by. Sad part is a lot of them just don't know it. This thing that sometimes charismatics or Pentecostals call baptized in the Spirit, I think it's getting unplugged. Because the Spirit was already present in you, or you wouldn't be a Christian in the first place. You finally found out who was in you, and like you unplug or you unwrap the gift and go, ha! I was missing out on you? Anyway, sorry. Got fired up again. No, Amen. Okay. Amen. 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 Once again, I know most Amen. of you know it. But here's the issue is that, is that in my life, there were no practices. I was taught this. Knew it, seminary, church, all over. I knew it. But I never thought about it in terms of the new command. How do I get loved by Jesus today? He's gone. And now how important his words were that when the Spirit comes, me and the Father are also going to make our home with you and in you. Well, then we kind of know that. But we don't have practices that help that experience, that embodied being loved by God in an embodied way. We don't have practices that make that real to us so that we're regularly being loved by Jesus and the Father so we can go out and love as he has loved us. Well, the two practices that he eventually um, shared with me, they're actually, um, and as the years went by, discovered they're just variations on old practices, ancient practices, one called Lexio Divina, which is Latin for divine reading, and the other is called the examine. But anyway, he helped me develop these practices, which 
in the end, you're still using your Bible, prayer, and meeting together in community. But it's going to radically change how you do that so that you get loved, really loved. So you see there in the paragraph, it says that these practices help us experience God love us in embodied ways through words and actions. As he loved the disciples, the love verse practice, what we're going to do tomorrow, is a way to experience God speak loving words to you from the Bible through you and through one another. Meaning he's going to use your body to speak to you and he's going to use your body to speak his very words to someone else. Just like the way Jesus and all the prophets, do you realize the only way people ever experienced God's word was through the mouth of a human being. Nobody read the scripture. They only heard it. More on that tomorrow. The God sighting practice is a way to notice and experience God love us through our loving interactions. In other words, we gather together, family, small group, and church, and we kind of do this little mingling thing and chit-chat but we haven't really understood how important it is that we are loving and being loved. And then the fact that we have no practice to go back and remember those interactions so that we can be loved again by the Lord. That's what you're going to learn on Sunday morning. And what's so cool, that last sentence there, it says, experiencing God love us in these ways, according to neuroscience, is that it's the greatest potential for transforming our minds because we are most shaped by and remember our emotionally engaging experiences. See, this is what was so proud, so profound was that, well, I'm, I'm almost out of time. I know I'll say them again tomorrow. So, <laughs> gotta finish, gotta finish. bottom line is that these practices help the Holy Spirit transform us to be like Jesus. Paul wrote that we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate or behold as in a mirror the Lord's glory of being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Again, if you can look, remember Scripture says that no one has ever seen God which means we can't see God, right? Nobody can see God and live. So no one's ever been able to see his glory, he says. But through Jesus and the Spirit, Paul says, the veil has been removed so that we can see, but we can't see him directly. What we do, we see him in a mirror, beholding as in a mirror. So God stands in front of the mirror We can't look at him, but we can look in the mirror. And who do we see? Jesus. But the Spirit's goal, according to this verse, is to so transform us. The more we look at Jesus, experience Jesus, get loved by Jesus, we're going to become more and more and more and more like Jesus, more and more like that glory, so that his goal, his goal is that at some point, people are going to go, well, just show us God. And... We're going to be able to go, if you want to see God, look in the mirror, because it's me in the mirror. Mm. Do you realize that's God's goal for us? 
The purpose of discipleship, of transformation, is that you and I can continue like Jesus did to be like God in such a way that finally we can say to a friend and a neighbor, what do you mean you want to see God? Don't you see me? Don't you see me? Friends, I'm serious. I believe this with all my heart. That's the point of this passage. In fact, in Romans 8, 29, Paul even says, um, um, for we have been predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Will we ever be perfect? Will we ever be sinless? No, but I believe with all my heart, our minds can be changed. Our character can be changed. Our behavior can be changed. I've had a handful of occasions where I've been friends with unbelievers. On an occasion, they've said to me, you know, Mark, I really enjoy you. I really like hanging out with you, you know, for a Christian. You know, I really, I really like you. And every now and then I've been able to go, well, that's awesome because that means you really like God. And they go, no, I don't. Don't bring God up again. Yeah, but you just said you like me. That means you really like God. No, I don't. But everything that I am is in a human way. <laughs> As Jesus was the image and glory of God. What you like about me is God. You know what I told him? I said, you know, my belief is, is that whatever your idea of God is, I probably would hate that too. But you like me, maybe you need to rethink your idea of God. Do you realize, friends, we're the product. We're the workmanship that God is creating to do the works of Jesus, to speak like Jesus so people can continue to see Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. That's why you got saved. And there's nothing more exciting on the whole planet. I'm supposed to be done, dog. Well, I don't think I'm exactly at an hour yet. I was aiming for 9:30. So bear with me. We're gonna we're gonna fly through these final verses. Anyway, oh, here's what I like to call it, is that this is the family business that you were born into. It's called image making and image bearing. Roman numeral one, I feel like ought to be over the front of every church. It should say Yahweh and sons and daughters, image makers, transforming people to love the Jesus way. Cool, right? Welcome to the family business. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Put on your seatbelt. We're going to finish this up. The bottom line is, in order to love as he has loved us, we got to spend time with him. For a lot of people, that's been called quiet time, devotions, alone time. And so many people in the church were like me about my 18th year as a Christian where it was pretty duty and it was pretty one directional where I come in, I would confess my sins, right? Psalm 139, he says, you know, search me God, see if there's any offensive way. So the first thing, you know, I'd come into the presence of God and look at me and look at all my mess and feel guilt and shame and try to get through that. 
And then I would read my Bible. And of course, at one point, somebody had me read, memorize 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all scriptures God breathed. But then Timothy says, and it's good for instructing, correcting, and rebuking, and training. Well, that'll get you out of bed in the morning. Hey, Lord, rebuke me today. Correct me today. Well, the truth was later on, once I learned about the Lord's love and his correction, I really welcomed it. But initially, that was hard, right? You'd read scripture and all it would do is tell you how much you were failing. How many ways you were just not measuring up. So it got to be hard. It wasn't fun anymore. Maybe some of you are there. I'm not sure what your alone time is like. You might get a moment tonight in your small group to share a little bit about it. But here is the profound shift is you realize that when you get up in the morning or whenever you do it, when you go to him, he is already waiting for you with excited anticipation. Honestly, I think whenever we begin our meeting saying, come Holy Spirit, I think we got it backwards. He's already here. He's already here. I think our opening prayer should be, Lord, hallelujah, you're already here running to us. Help us notice. That should be the opening prayer, I think. But what happened is I discovered as I started coming to get loved and I kept getting loved is that I couldn't wait to wake up in the morning going, I just say to Rob, my wife, I just say, honey, just seven more hours and it's Jesus time. And then one day the Lord says, Mark, when will you go to bed? We're all saying to each other, hot dog, seven more hours and it's Mark time. That's what he's saying about you guys. He is waiting for you in excited anticipation more than you could ever. So letter A, I have this in a document. I'll show it to you tomorrow. But this was my, I, I called this page, Welcome Beloved, where I have a bunch of these verses like this in an order where every morning I'd hear the Lord say, Welcome Beloved, Welcome Mark, where he would say, Mark, come to me, letter A, come to me in the italics, come to me who is love. From whom love comes, let me love you first. And then because of experiencing me love you, you will love me and others because I first loved you. Come, son, I am waiting with excited anticipation for you. Then through Luke 15, 20, remember when the, the, the younger son comes to his senses and he starts coming home. In 15, 20, now hear it from the Lord. He says, Mark, you realize when you get up and come to me, your heavenly father, I don't care whether you've sinned or not. While you're still a long way off and I see you, I'm filled with compassion for you. Boom, I run to you, throw my arms around you, kiss you and celebrate over you. Do you realize when you're coming to your alone time with God, he's already waiting. And when he sees you on your way, he's running to you. He's closing the gap. He can't wait to kiss you, hug you and celebrate you. Well, then the amazing thing, letter C, is that through the prayer of Paul, then he says, ooh la la, now that we're here, guess what? I'm going to give you the help to grasp, help you to grasp and know my love. Through Paul's prayer, he says, in order to root and establish you more deeply in my love, I'm going to give you the power, the ability again today, Mark, to grasp, to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is my love for you. And to know, and in the Greek, that means experientially know. 
to know this love that, oh, by the way, surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of me. Do you realize when you come together, he's going to empower you to grasp and know so that you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of him. Crazy, right? Yeah. Lastly, second to last. Then he says, in fact, he says, I want your experience in my love to satisfy you, to delight you like eating great food. Notice these passages. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me. Not read, read. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Taste and see that I, the Lord, am good. You guys, as I was memorizing that and meditating on that, Roman number two, two there says, food is not just for nutrition, the knowledge of his love, but it's also for pleasure, experiencing his love. And here's the illustration he gave me. It says menu and umbilical cord. One day he says, I'm thinking about it, and, and I have this thought. Not, it's just him and I musing together. But I, I started to have a thought about this where imagine if God designed us, if food was only for nutrition, like it was the nine months in our mother's womb, he could have had the doctors cut the, cut the umbilical cord at the placenta, and then the umbilical cord retracted, so that when we needed food and drink, all we had to do was go over to a food source and pull out our umbilical cord and plug it in, and just get all the nutrition that we needed, and off we'd go. Oh, thank God he didn't do that. How boring. Is anybody out there? <laughs> How boring. Instead, he cut it at the navel and gave us amazing taste buds and, and, and sensors in our nostrils and then made Jamaican food, Great. Caribbean food and drink. Oh my gosh, ooh la la. And we get to eat three times a day sometimes. Yep. Come on, foodies. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the point, is that food isn't just for nutrition. It's for pleasure. He, didn't, he doesn't just love us to train us to love. He's loving us because he wants us to experience the joy of it. Hallelujah! Yes, God. Oh my gosh. Glory. So that letter E, Moses says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Or David writes, Because your love, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food so that my mouth can't help but to praise you with joyful lips. Come on, folks. You can't help but sing when you've been touched by that love, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the amazing thing is then, lastly, Jesus makes this promise to us. He says, if or when you keep my commands, especially to love as I have loved you, which basically is the umbrella of them all, 
if or and in the Greek sometimes the, when it says if it actually means can mean when he's saying look friends when you keep my commands especially the command to love as I have loved you you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands which he just said I loved you as the father loved me and I remained in his love and the reason I'm telling you this is so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is what we're in this for, is that there's so much joy to be had. The joy Jesus knew is ours. You know, on the cover of your, um, on the cover of your, of your book, you see the heart, our logo? Take a look at that one more time right now. Just turn to the cover and just see the logo for a minute. My son did that logo. He was doing it in a Starbucks. When he finished drawing it, he went around to people at their tables and showed them the picture and says, what does this make you think or feel? The immediate comments, not Christians, not anyone, just showed them the picture. And he said, what does it make you think or feel? Here's what their comments were. It looks happy. It looks like it's dancing. It looks like it's alive, like it's moving. Josh called me on the phone and says, Dad, I think I, I figured it out. I think I've got the logo. Here's why. You see the Trinity symbol inside that heart? If you think about each of the points of the logo where they touch the heart as being the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, here is the final awesome, awesome sauce of this teaching. I said it to you before in John 17, 24, when Jesus said, Father, I want the disciples to be with me where I am so that they may see the glory, the glory you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. As you are looking at that heart, that is God's love. It is alive. It's moving. It looks happy. And that Trinity symbol, what Jesus just told us, is that before creation, the Father loved the Son, and the Son loved the Father, and the Father loved the Spirit, and the Spirit loved the Father, and the Spirit loved the Son, and the Son loved the Spirit. And as they were loving and being loved, they were existing, remaining in love. They are love, and they are the most supremely joy-filled being ever. And you know what? In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the triune God says, let us make beings in our likeness, in our image. Your reason for being on the planet, God created you with the capacity to experience love and share love with both God and one another. And the earth was supposed to be filled with joy. By chapter three, it goes sideways because for love to be meaningful, God also had to give us choice. And from the very first human beings, they used their choice to be selfish and not to love.
Do you realize we could change the world in the click of a finger if God chose to make everybody simply love as he had loved them? The world would be a very safe and joy-filled place, but it would be robotic. It would be absent of meaning. He gave us choice, the capacity to love and be loved so that we can know their joy. That's why you're on the planet, friends. And we only get to taste that in part. The Spirit's a deposit guaranteeing that one day where we already are seated with them in that existence in part, one day we are going to be with that triune communion forever in that dance forever and ever and ever. Welcome to the Christian faith and what it means to follow Jesus. This is loving the Jesus way. It's being loved and loving as loved. That's the rhythm of life, friends, right? We eat several times a day so we can go do. We drink so we can go do. We rest so we can go do. We be loved, and then we love as and because loved. We be loved, and we love as and can be loved. And as we do this, together with them, we are in that communion of love, and we experience full and complete joy. Pretty fun, right? Well, woohoo! Welcome to the weekend. You're going to get to do the Amen. love verse practice, the God sighting practice. And my hope and belief is that you are going to taste some of that love, friends. Not just hear it talked about on the, on the cooking show. You're going to get to eat the, eat the love. Amen. 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 Well, thank you. I know it's long. With all my heart, I was hoping I'd keep it to the hour, but I can't help myself. <laughs> so so father bless the teaching Hallelujah. thank you for it i pray thank you that it's being recorded even tonight um so they can listen to it as many times they want maybe and turn around and give it away to some other friends because lord we have the greatest thing on the planet people should be trying to bang down our door to go how do we get in on that awesome life that you guys are living how do we get in on that awesome thing? Father, we pray for each of us as individuals, for our churches, for our families, for our communities, because they desperately need to know this amazing gift you left behind of your new command in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray now, bless our sharing in our groups. I know, especially for us East Coasters, it's quarter to 10. I just pray that you give us strength.
for being a part of the family of God. If you were blessed and you wish to be prayed for, please contact us at 469-333-0397. It was a privilege to be able to serve with you this week. And if you wish to email us, you may Contact us newhorizonmin.com. Oh my strength, my strength.